let's go to our lesson. So this is our study in the book of Romans, Grace and Peace to You, and we're in Lesson 55, and we've gotten to Chapter 8, and we've spent a number of weeks here in Chapter 8, because in many ways, Romans 8 is the essential chapter in Romans. Uh, most of the early part of Romans has told us why that stuff doesn't work, and finally in Chapter 8, it reveals what does really work. Faith that pleases God has to come not from our self-effort, but from the help of the Holy Spirit in our life. We cannot live a life pleasing to God in any dimension without it coming from the Spirit that God has caused to place within. It doesn't come from the outside. It doesn't come from our works. It doesn't come from some kind of duty or obedience or fear. It only comes through drawing upon the help of the Holy Spirit that is within, and that's been the essence of chapter 8. In some ways, it was like a secret that Paul held back. He kept referring to something, referring to this doesn't work, that doesn't work, but finally in chapter 8, he revealed the secret. And uh, so, the Holy Spirit, but as we've come down through chapter 8, we've come to this passage starting in verse 26 uh, and 27. We've This will be our third week uh, <clears throat> talking about this passage. So let's read again, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for, as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So as we've been looking at this passage, as we've come to this so far, we found that this word helps is this very specific word used only here in application uh, in the New Testament, and that is to take hold together with against the weight of something. So it's someone that's helping you to do something that you can't do on your own, but they're not going to do it for you. So it's not turning it over to somebody. It's not like the lieutenant asking you to help move the bed. Lieutenant J.G. Jackson. I, I know. <laughs> so that all the poor enlisted people have to do the work. Let's dig this hole, which means you dig this hole, I'm going to stand here. But anyway... No, I'm, I'm sorry. She was, she was a very good officer to me. And, uh, except, except the one time she drew my blood and she bruised me horribly. But that's okay. Because I'm all right with that. She also married me. That's... But um, it's not the Holy Spirit doing it for us. It's when we pray, he prays for us. He's not praying for what we're praying for. He's praying for us so that we know how to pray. And I, I want to just encourage you. This takes place any time you pray, every time you've prayed, before you ever knew what was in this verse. Before you knew that this was true. The first time you got saved and you went to pray, the Holy Spirit jumped in and helped you have words to pray. Helped your prayer be perfect before God. 
And so we want to learn a lot about prayer. I mean, we've had a lot of lessons in prayer. We've studied prayer, taught prayer. I've taught series in prayer. But you know what? The Holy Spirit's been helping all along. And the stumbling, bumbling prayers that you think didn't get anywhere, that's the Holy Spirit says, well, let me, let me fix that for you. And that's what this passage is telling us. That when we pray, he helps our weakness. We don't know how to pray like we should, which means, a little phrase like we should, which means, well, we should know how to pray, but we don't. So we're all learning, and some have learned more, and sometimes we realize what we learned wasn't really right, and we back up and learn something new. So, but the Holy Spirit's been helping us pray. And in any kind of prayer that you have prayed, even just a little, oh, help me, Jesus. Well, the Holy Spirit takes that and forms it into what you need Jesus to help you with that you couldn't even get out of your mouth because the accident was happening right in front of your eyes, right? Or something was going on, and, and yet God delivered you. And he takes our prayers and he makes them right before God. And so this is what we've been talking about. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't help us to know what we should pray. And he does. As we yield ourselves before him, as we meditate before him, he helps give us information as how we should pray. I've found myself listening to the Spirit of God. Other times I just open my mouth and I realize I'm praying things that I didn't think about. But obviously the Holy Spirit's giving me those words to pray. Well, if he's praying, why do I need to pray? Because he's praying for me. He's not praying about my problem. He's praying about me so that I have the words, so that then I can pray effectively. But with all of that, one of the things we came down to was prayer in the Spirit. So let me just back up a little bit in our notes. On page one, I just kind of I, I pulled in some of, the, some of the things from our last session. Uh, to me, one of the greatest greatest passages concerning prayer in all of the Bible is in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. We talked about this last week. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Now, if he hears us, it's because it's what? According to his will. So, well, I, you know, I can't pray till I find out exactly what God's will is. So I've been reading the Bible and trying to find out what the will of God is. I've been listening to people's teachings and trying to find out. Ask. The Greek word used there for ask, I've highlighted it four times in that verse. Ask, ask, request, and asked. It's all the same Greek word. A-I-T-E-O. A-I-T-E-O. I-T-E-O. And I tell in Greek simply means, you ready for this? Ask. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. It's deep. It's really deep. But it's, it's, it, in a sense, it's a strong word. It's the strongest word that's used for, in a sense, for prayer. Because it, it can also be translated to demand. So when, they, when the Greek would want to use, to make a demand, they would use this same Greek word. To request it would be used it would be used if they wanted to say to require something 
it would be the same Greek word. So, to ask, to demand, to request, to require. So it's it's a strong word, and it's it's almost exclusively used in relationship to somebody or in reference to somebody you have a relationship with. So you can ask a father, you can ask an, an official that you have relationship with. To ask a stranger with using this word would not be common. You'd use the Greek word intuncano, but then we're getting off the rails. All right, so, so this is more of a, I'm, I'm asking because I know, based on our relationship, I know that you would do this. If I was up here and, and I, I was, my throat got dry or something and I said, could, could you get me a glass of water? That would be me asking, and out of your relationship, your respect, you would bring me a glass of water. Now, not all of you, please, because then that'd be more water than I could use. But so there's there's something that that comes with this word. But how do how do we know how to ask? Notice it says we have this confidence. We ask anything according to His will. Man, that's big. Realize again. Remember. The people that Paul wrote to, Romans, the people that John is writing to in 1 John, they don't have Bibles. Now, by the time of 1 John, scriptures were being circulated, but they didn't have printing presses. If you had any copies of anything that Paul wrote or any copies of the Gospels, because somebody hand wrote it and got it to you, which cost very much. And so most people didn't have copies of the Bible. So how could they search the scriptures to find out whether it was, will, was the will of God or not? Oh, Romans 8, 26, and 27. He helps us to pray according to the will of God. And listen to the confidence of this next statement. And if we know that he hears us. See, if it's according to his will, he hears it. Right? It's just a little equation. According to his will, he hears it. If he hears it, What? He does it. <laughs> you have it. If you know that he hears it, then you know you have the request that you required of him. Is that powerful? So whatever it is that you have done, you know you have it. So when you pray, when you pray, do you have that confidence? That God heard it? And then if he heard it, he's going to give it? Well, yeah, if it's according to his will. Don't say that. Because the Holy Spirit's going to help it be according to his will. Well, Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done. So we have to put that at the end of all of our prayers. No, you don't. He was talking about the mission that his father had put before him and a mission that was very difficult that he wasn't sure he wanted to do. Not my will. It's not what I want to do. Move from Tulsa. To Minot, North Dakota. (laughs) Not my will, but what you want, right? So some of you moved to Oklahoma. Not my will, but whatever you want. So we we have this confidence that when we pray, how many of you have read Paul's prayers? Ephesians, Colossians, Thessalonians, prayers in Romans. Did you ever find him in any one of those prayers saying, if it be your will? No, 
Not once. Not once. He's just praying. He's releasing words. And the Holy Spirit is adjusting those words, helping him say exactly what it is that it can be answered. I'm getting to the conclusion of my message, so don't leave. All right, I'm trying to wrap the end of this. But listen, pray with confidence. Just pray. Sometimes I'd rather hear new believers pray than long-time believers. Because our, our prayers get so filled with Christianese and phrases that we've borrowed from someone else. We've heard this. Uh, things that we've repeated every time that we pray. We always say this. And, and you know, I've got to say this, right? Because if, if I don't say this, because this is in the Bible and I've got to quote this verse. Just talk to God. Stop trying to be perfect. You can't be. So let the Holy Spirit work with your words. And let him help put words in your mouth. And just say those words as they come to you. So this power of the Spirit. Notice at the bottom of the page there, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Likewise, the Spirit helps our weakness in prayer. Verse 26, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Verse 27, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to all God. Who's involved in all of this praying? The Holy Spirit is. He's actively involved in your praying. And this is all working as you pray, as you release words, as you pick up the weight of what it is that is on your heart, the burden that's before you. As you pick up that burden, the Holy Spirit picks up the burden. As you offer the words that you have, He prays with the Father. I'll come back to that in a minute. He gives you words so that you can say it perfectly. And then you can have the confidence that I prayed according to the will of God. So this, this problem that we have is, okay, how do I know what words to say? So I memorize prayers. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I got a book of, of early Puritan prayers. They, some of these are absolutely powerful. And it was... It's written by the early Puritans, Pilgrim's Prayers. And, oh my gosh, their prayers are just incredibly beautiful. And the expression that is in them. But just me memorizing that prayer to pray it doesn't make it any more effective. Just because theirs was beautiful and poetic, that's how they talked back then. We're into social media, fragments of sentences, thoughts, sometimes just words, hyphenated words, made-up words. And we expect everybody to know what they are. Right. Yeah, and a lot of their prayers were, were very instructive. Jan was saying the Puritans, a lot of their prayers were about heaven and about about glorious things and 
just filled with beautiful expressions of worship because they didn't have a whole lot of hope in this life. That their theology, some of that infected that. But it also released them to pray deeply. And I have to believe the Holy Spirit was behind those prayers. So, top of page two, this, this work of the Holy Spirit helps us make intercession. So the Holy Spirit makes intercession. And what's his intercession? I've been talking about this all along. Again, we talked about this quite a bit last week. The Holy Spirit's intercession is for you. He's praying for you. He's not praying about what you're praying about. Is that clear? So you're, you want to pray for someone. We prayed tonight for Lee Tarrant. The Holy Spirit wasn't praying for him. The Holy Spirit was praying for me to have the words to pray for Lee Tarrant. All right? And so the Holy Spirit's praying for me. He makes intercession for us according to our weaknesses, not for them. And the Greek word intercession for us is very specific. It's intercession that is directed to God about you. That's the Holy Spirit's prayer. Holy Spirit prays to God about you. So the Holy Spirit's praying? Well, the Bible says he does. You say, well, I never thought about the Holy Spirit. I mean, isn't he God? Yes, but he prays. Did Jesus pray to the Father? Yes. Okay, I thought he did. All right, so it's, it's all right then for the Holy Spirit to pray to God. Yeah, all right. So some of this stuff is just so strange to our minds to think, but they're all God. So isn't that like God talking to God? Yep. Well, don't you talk to yourself? Okay. <laughs> so, but this is, this is on a much higher level. <laughs> much higher level. But if anybody ever troubles you about that, say, well, God talks to God, so it's okay for me. All right, so the word to makes intercession for us is all one big long word. It's there at the top of your page, Hupar Intencano. And Hupar Intencano has to do with intensive, deep intercession with you as the object. You are the object. And the word intercede means to meet with someone else in conference. To meet in conference. So the Holy Spirit goes with your issue to God. And he talks to God about your issue. And we can all be praying everywhere around the world, and the Holy Spirit is there representing each one of our prayers individually before God. Is that amazing? That is just amazing. The miracle of eternity is the mystery of eternity. How can, how can 10 billion people, well, 8 billion-something people, be praying to God, and God hear each of them individually? <sighs> That's why he's got that job, and I don't. So, and the word is very, very good. But it's also a, a word for deep. And so he goes a little bit further with this, and he says that his prayers are, are so deep that the words can't even be expressed. His groanings are too deep to be articulated. You can't hear the words. You don't hear the Holy Spirit praying. Somebody says, yeah, but we pray in the Spirit. Isn't that the Holy Spirit praying? No, that's your Spirit praying. That's you. That's you talking to God. And your Spirit is making prayers to God. 
But at the same time, your spirit is talking to God. The Holy Spirit's talking to God. And he's going to help you have what you need. So, I put this little three, three bullet points there in black. As we are praying, he, that is the Holy Spirit, is praying. If we don't pray, he doesn't pray. Well, I just turned my prayer over to the Holy Spirit. He's taking care of it all. And he's doing nothing for you. It's working for me because I didn't do that. But Okay, so we pray for the need as we know it. So I'm praying what I see, what I know. And he's praying for us or for me to have the knowledge to pray precisely. So as I'm praying, as I see the need, suddenly new words start coming. New ideas start coming. New insight starts coming. I finish my prayer, and a little while later, I'm just going about something else, and something else comes to me about that prayer, and I offer more about the prayer. I say more about what is on my heart. I get more information, and I feel a different directing. So I pray that to God. Why? Because that's the Holy Spirit helping me, giving me wisdom. And I don't ever have to feel like I have to reach some conclusion. No, I just, I just pray. If he wants to give me more later, I'll take more later. And I will pray as long as I feel that I have words, and then I move on. And you know what was beautiful? You know the Bible talks about praying in one accord? Praying in one accord, that's not to do with being in somebody's car. All right, okay. I'm done with the dad jokes, okay? Try to stop. But praying in one accord, the Greek word is sumphaneo. So when we pray in one accord, sumphaneo. You hear a word in that? Symphony. Just turn the U to a Y. Symphony. And a symphony is made up of all kinds of different instruments. Sounding different. And if you ever look at an orchestral uh, score for like a major piece of music oh my gosh these instruments are playing this and these instruments are playing this and it's like, they're just, they're just like what how do you put all that together yet when they do beautiful because it's a symphony and that's what happens when we're praying just someone to pray in agreement with you that's also the Greek word symphoneo to agree with one another. And so as we symphonize, I'm praying something, you're praying something, the Holy Spirit's helping me have words, the Holy Spirit's helping you have words, and, it, and it's accomplishing more. Sometimes the reason we ask for prayer together is so that we can have a bigger symphony, more people praying and more wisdom being given. doesn't mean one person praying on their own is weak. I don't have to have somebody agree with me in prayer. David found nobody else to agree with him, so he agreed with the Lord. Man, if my, if my prayer is in agreement with God's word, <laughs> that's all the agreement I need. But I can, I can help my prayer be more confident when I'm allowing other people to enter in, to have a part with the prayer, and so all of this works together. And so we pray. He's praying for us to have the words these prayers help us find wisdom. Now, mixed into this, then, 
the Holy Spirit helping us have the words, one of the ways that the Holy Spirit helps us have words to pray is praying in the Spirit. I talked about this last week, but mostly what I was talking about last week was the, the difference between being baptized in the Holy Spirit and being saved, right? So being saved is the Holy Spirit within. That's the first part of the section there on page 2, the Holy Spirit within. And we're, when we are saved, the Holy Spirit moves to the inside, recreates us, brings us into union, baptizes us into the body of Christ, fills us. He becomes John 14 through 16. He becomes the helper, the comforter. He's there to teach me, encourage me, lead me, instruct me, correct me, direct me. The Holy Spirit is within. Every believer has that. Whether you're listening to it or not, you have it. The Holy Spirit is there. He's called to your side. He's standing there. Just because you're not listening to the coach doesn't mean you're not on the team. He's there. The question is, are you listening? All right, so that's being saved. But when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's a second work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. The Holy Spirit within, that's salvation. The Holy Spirit on the outside, that's baptism in the Spirit. That's when the Holy Spirit comes to the outside. Like the difference, I, I use the illustration of being saved is like taking a glass and filling with water. That's it. you got the Holy Spirit in the glass. The glass is full. You have the Holy Spirit. He's moved inside. He is your teacher, your encourager, your helper. He's in the glass. Take that glass and put it in a gallon bucket of water. And now the Holy Spirit's not just inside. He's outside. And so the Holy Spirit is now upon us. You can't have the Holy Spirit upon you without having him in you first, all right? So when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, or is the Greek word filled with the Holy Spirit, baptism means to be immersed. Filled means to be filled to a place where you're possessed. That's the glass full of water in bucket full of water, all right? So that's, that's being filled with the Spirit. And so it's, it's like being possessed. It is totally being consumed the Holy Spirit is around you, upon you. Why do, why do we need the Holy Spirit upon us? Well, number one, Jesus said so. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Luke 24, 48. You can write it down. Luke 24, 48. I didn't put it in your notes. But Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you're filled with power from on high. Until, actually, he didn't say filled, he said endued, which means clothed in a garment. Until you're clothed in a garment of power that comes from on high. Don't go anywhere. Then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, what did he say? And you shall receive, you shall receive what? Power. How are you going to receive power? The Holy Spirit coming upon you. He's already in you. He's going to come where? Upon you. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost, so that they could be witnesses. And so they were able then to deliver the life that was on the inside of him. I made the illustration last week also. It's one thing to come to the well, as Jesus, John chapter 4, and drink of the living water so that you'll never thirst again. That's salvation. But to become a spring of water flowing out, 
into the earth, that's the baptism. It's the difference between me being filled and allowing the water to come out of me and flow into others. That's being filled with the Spirit. Why do we want that? Because we want the power of God not just in us but flowing through us to touch people, to help people, to minister to people, to serve God, to serve in the church, to serve in the, in the gifts of ministry that God has put upon our life, to serve with the gifts of the Spirit as God would have us deliver them within the church so that we can now serve Him with this life that He's given me. But within this subject then comes the issue of speaking in tongues. And so uh, on the paper I gave you, that, that secondary paper I gave, what you see on that paper is I, I took 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and then I went down through it and I designated the difference between the gift of the Spirit or often called the manifestation of the Spirit of tongues and praying in tongues. So identified in red is when we are praying. That's me Praying to God. All right, that's me talking to God. That's in red. In all of those verses, and that's all they are, they're directly verses right from 1 Corinthians 14. All the, all the phrases that are in red are you talking to God. The phrases that are in blue is when God speaks through a person to the congregation or to others. And so God, blue, in blue, he speaks through you to others. One is me talking to him. The other is him talking to us. See a difference? Talking, me talking to God needs no interpretation. Why? Because it's his language. He doesn't need an interpreter. But if I'm going to talk to the congregation, I does need interpretation. So I'm going to speak in other tongues to the congregation. It needs to make sense. One of the reasons we need to learn how to speak our, our our natural language well is so people can understand what we're saying. Right? It doesn't do any good if even if I'm speaking English, but the people don't understand my words. So I need to learn how to speak correctly, speak efficiently, speak, you know, directly about things clearly. And we preachers are all working on that. Well, I think most of us are. But, um, but if I'm in a foreign country, such as when I've made my trips to China or I've been in Guatemala or the Amazon, um, I couldn't talk to those people. I needed somebody between me and them. I knew that what I had was, was necessary. I knew what I had was good for them. But unless there's an interpreter, they they get nothing. It doesn't change the fact that I was up there saying a bunch of really good stuff. It's just a little side illustration. Jonathan will get a little kick out of this, baby. But uh, how many know Mike Goolsby? How many know Mike? Okay, Mike is full of energy, full of jokes, a lot of, yeah, joy. And he likes to have a lot of fun. When he, he was with me in a city in southern China, his first 
his first session, the people had absolutely no idea what to do with what he was saying. <laughs> he was he was he was saying some really good things, but he was saying them with a lot of humor, a lot of jokes, uh, a lot of things that just they didn't. And and there was a couple times our interpreter at the time was a girl named Summer, and she. She would just look at him and say, I can't even interpret that. That doesn't make sense. And he'd say, yeah, it does. Just say it. She said, it won't make sense. He said, no, just say it. Say it. Say it to them. It won't make sense. And so anyway, it was, it was one of those things. So if it doesn't make sense to the people, they get nothing from it. And so that's the same thing with tongues. If you're going to get up in a congregation and speak in tongues to the people, it's going to be meaningless. It's just confusion. And all it does is puts a bad image upon the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit told me to say this. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense. All right? So the difference in these two is there in your paper. And so as you read down through there, and I also put little arrows. Oh, no. I had to put those in. So the blue arrow comes down, right? And the red arrow goes up. So, so hopefully you can understand that. Now, I, I will say, please understand, the arrows are not in the Bible. All right, there was, there was not. So I, I put those in myself. I'll, I'll let you know that. Okay, but the purpose of that is so that you can look through there. I'm not going to talk about every verse that's in there, but, but the purpose of the gift of tongues is to preach to the people. It needs to be interpreted so that it can edify the people. Paul said, if I'm in the congregation, it's more important that I edify the people. But Paul also said, I'm glad I edify myself. (laughs) Right? I I pray in tongues. I'm glad I pray in the Spirit more than all of you. Because he that prays in the Spirit edifies himself. So Paul wasn't saying it's wrong to edify yourself. He just said, if I'm in the congregation, I need to edify you. I need to be speaking in a manner that brings instruction to you so that you are edified, encouraged, directed, exhorted. And, and so that, that is the important principle that you. So I want you to go down to, uh, we kind of took off last week, um, Bottom of page two, tongues are identified as either directed to man or to God. All right. When directed to man, okay, go to the top of page three. There sometimes it's called the manifestation or the gift of tongues. First Corinthians chapter twelve. Uh, it's accompanied by the manifestation of the interpretation of tongues. So if if someone speaks in tongues, then there has to be an interpretation. If there is no interpretation, then the person that gave it is supposed to pray to interpret them. You gave it, interpret it. Or keep silent. What is is the manifestation of the gift of tongues? All those blue phrases down through that passage, all of those blue, is you speaking from God to people. Right, That's God speaking through a person to the people so that they can be encouraged. And this is also regulated. Paul says there's 
Don't let it go on forever. You come together, every one of you could. But let it be by two or three. And the others sit by to judge. And if there's no interpreter, then keep silent. Okay, so, however, yellow highlight, page three. When directed to God, they are not interpreted. If I'm talking to God, he needs no interpretation. Well, but if I'm in the congregation, I shouldn't. Well, if you're in the congregation and Chinese is your natural language and you want to pray, am I, am I supposed to tell you to be quiet? To quiet? Because I don't understand your prayer? No. Can I pray in tongues in the midst of the congregation? Why? Because I'm talking to God. And you say, well, but, but, but I don't know what you're saying. You don't need to. I'm not praying to you. Now, if I'm praying for you, and all I'm doing is praying in tongues, then you don't understand what I'm praying. So then somebody does need to understand what you're saying. So when praying in tongues, it is God that's being addressed. No interpretation is necessary. When we pray in tongues, we're speaking mysteries to God. No one understands. Now, this is where people sometimes get confused. Well, if it's mysteries to God, then we shouldn't understand them either. I don't when I'm saying them. When I'm praying in tongues, I don't understand what I'm saying. The words don't make sense to me. They're mysteries. That doesn't mean God can't do something with those to help me receive it's just like saying a tree is unfruitful. It's unfruitful because it's not producing the fruit. Not because it's not receiving fruit. It's not producing. So Paul says, the mind, when I pray in the Spirit, my mind is what? Unfruitful. That's because my mind isn't producing it. The tongues are not coming through my head. I'm not thinking up all these little words to say. And they say, well, that sounds like strange language, and I don't know what to say, and I don't know how to pray in tongues. You don't need to know how to pray in tongues. Just do it. Just release this voice that wants to come out of you. Now, God has to use your tongue, and he has to use your mouth, and he has to use your lungs to, to speak, but praying in tongues, is it sounds strange. It sounds bizarre the first few times you do it. Unfortunately, a lot of people who have been filled with the Spirit only speak in tongues on very rare occasions, but we shouldn't. Why? Paul said, I'm glad I pray in tongues more than all of you. So it is a good thing to do. And, but my mind, I'm speaking mysteries to God. Next point, when we pray in tongues, we are being edified. Paul says that very clearly. The one who prays in tongues edifies himself. Is that wrong? No. Is it wrong to edify yourself? No. Aren't you edified when you read the Word of God? Aren't you edified when you worship God? Yeah. Doesn't that build you up, strengthen you, encourage you? Yeah. Are you edified when you're listening to Jeff Jackson preach? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so it's, it's encouraging. There's nothing wrong with being edified. But if you're in the midst of the congregation and all you're doing is speaking in tongues, people are confused. You may be edified, but they're getting nothing. And you're not here for you. You're here for them. So, learn how to deliver a message that instructs people, that helps them understand, that opens their eyes to truth. When we pray in tongues, it is our human spirit that is praying, not our mind. And so when we pray in tongues, it is the spirit that prays. If my spirit prays, Paul said, 
So this is his spirit communicating with God. And the pattern is this. Pray with the spirit, then pray with the understanding. That's verses 14 and 15, I believe. And so the, the way that I pray this way is I pray in tongues. So, okay, look, I got that, that passage down there kind of in the middle of page 3. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. My mind is unfruitful. It's not producing the words. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, and I will pray with my mind. And when I pray with my mind, what does that mean? My mind is producing the words. But I run out of words. I don't even know the words. I don't know what to say. I, I don't know how to pray exactly for this. I don't know how to pray precisely for this. So what, what does Paul say? What am I to do? Notice the pattern he puts. I'll pray with my spirit, and I will pray with my understanding also. I'll sing with my spirit, and I'll sing with my understanding also. Notice that singing in the spirit comes first, so that then you can pray or sing with your understanding. Praying with the spirit comes first. Praying with the understanding comes second. So, as I pray with the Spirit, that's not the Holy Spirit praying, that's my Spirit. But when I'm praying, what's happening? When I pray, what happens? The Holy Spirit's praying, and He helps me have words. And the next thing I know, I've got words to pray with my understanding. I didn't, but now I do. And so I pray in the Spirit, and He gives me words to pray. He gives me thoughts, He gives me insight. Sometimes I pray in the Spirit and all He gives me is peace. Right. It's like it's taken care of. Yep. I pray in the Spirit and I've got a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. The sorrow goes away. Joy comes in. Mm-hmm. Right? So that can happen. Why? Because, <clears throat> because God is helping also to edify me, to strengthen me. Nothing wrong with building up yourself. But... If I want to talk to the people, it needs to be in their language or interpreted. Whether it's tongues or a foreign language, it needs to be interpreted. If I want to address the people, that's how I pray. Tongues directed to man from God. Tongues directed to God from man. Now, Pastor Jeff Pipus, uh, if you want to look this up on our, on our website... He had an incredible teaching through this. Probably the best. I've, I've been in this ministry, well, since 1974, around 77, around the Holy Spirit teaching and faith teaching. And he did the best teachings I've ever heard going down through 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He did it in one Sunday morning service. And it was, it was excellent. So Jeff Piba's Home Church Podcast. So you can go out to the same place you see uh, my podcasts, you know, on homechurchok.com. And then you'll need to go to the podcast for July 31st, 2022. July 31st, 2022. And the title of the message is For the Common Good Edification. So, uh, you can obtain that there. And it's a, it was an excellent review quickly through all of the applications of 1 Corinthians 14. 
answering a lot of questions and a lot of confusion that people have. So Paul says this is this is the way we should pray. Now I know I know that in there I'm I'm speaking to some people who have not been familiar with this. I know most of the people in this room, this is kind of familiar stuff to you. Maybe you're hearing things in a way that you hadn't heard them before. Your eyes are being opened maybe in, in certain things. Uh, maybe you've got things that you could add to what I'm saying, and I'm sure that that's greatly true uh, because I can't touch everything tonight. But there are many people who might be listening to this, this series and listening to these teachings who have never been acquainted with this, and I know it's strange to them, and it sounds confusing. But I, I want to come back to one thing. When the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, nobody taught them what to do. Nobody taught them it was okay. Nobody taught them that what they were doing was, was acceptable to God. When the Holy Spirit fell, when Peter was preaching at Cornelius' house, Acts chapter 10, nobody got up there and taught them how to do it, what they should do, why what they were doing was right, why what they thought was wrong. Nobody taught them that. In Acts chapter 19, when, Peter, when Paul was preaching in Ephesus and the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were believers, Paul prayed for them, and he laid hands on them, and they all spoke with tongues. Nobody taught them what to do. They just did. Now, I know. You say, well, but we need instruction today. I like to give instruction, and I've spent a lot of time with instruction. At one time, I had a three-lesson three series on how to be filled with the Spirit, and, and that's, that's good to know that, but in the biblical days, no one taught them that. It just happened. Because the people weren't mentally entrenched against it. It just happened. And when we pray, I've been in the mission field, when we pray for people uh, down in the Amazon, people got filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues. No one told them what to do. It just happened. Nobody explained it. It just happened. Because they weren't closed to it. And most of what we're doing <laughs> is teaching through people's closedness right the confusion that other things have brought in and i know there's people out there that say speaking in tongues is heretical people that say that it is something that is not in the bible that it is wrong some that even teach that it's from the devil i want you to know it's in the bible back the very first first person that introduced me to the whole idea of of being filled with the spirit and speaking in tongues it was a a, uh, a pastor I had, I almost said the denomination, I won't, but, um, and he, he said, uh, we just started at the church, and he handed me a paper, three-page legal size, typed front and back, on why speaking in tongues was of the devil. That was his subject. I had no idea what in the world he was talking about. I just a little Lutheran boy. I I had no idea what this is all about. I have no idea what you're talking about. But I read through it, and my my end conclusion came back to, yeah. But every passage he gave me says it's in the Bible. I, I don't understand it, but he didn't he didn't find one passage in there that said it was wrong, that said we shouldn't do it. It would it could be confusing, and it needs to be done right, and it needs to be done properly, but. Wow. So, there's all kinds of resistance. But, borrowing phrase, 
through Star Trek, resistance is futile. All right, if you're not a Star Trek fan, you won't get that, but anyway. So, okay. So what is the purpose? Bottom of your page three. What is the purpose of praying in the Spirit? Why, why do we even need to do this? Jude, verses 20 and 23. Through, through 23, but Jude, verse 20. Jude, verse 20. The purpose. And you, beloved. How many of you are beloved? And you, beloved, building up yourselves upon the foundation of your most holy faith, that is, by praying in the Holy Spirit, Verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, I broke some things out in there. You, beloved, notice that there's a little number two in front of the word building up. Because in the Greek language, praying in the Holy Spirit comes first. So it's, it's, a, it's not building yourself up, then praying, No, it's praying, build yourselves up. So in the Greek language, it's done by verbal um, reference, right? So you, beloved, number one, praying in the Holy Spirit, build yourselves up upon your most holy faith. Do you see how that works? That's, in the Greek language, that's the order of the words. Okay, so you, beloved, praying in the Holy Spirit, build yourselves up. Why? Paul already said that, didn't he? That when we pray in the Spirit, we edify ourselves or we build ourselves up. Right? So the context is praying first. We pray in the Holy Spirit. And the only other references to praying in the Spirit that are in the Bible talk about praying in tongues. So praying in the Holy Spirit, we build ourselves up. We edify ourselves. We encourage ourselves. We strengthen ourselves. We help ourselves. We complete things that aren't finished. That's, that all fits into that word building up. We help finish out things that are not working right. Build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith. Your most holy faith is your inner man. That faith that you had in your union with God. That's your most holy faith. And the most holy faith is that union that you have with God through the Holy Spirit. And you build yourself up by praying in the Holy Spirit. All right? So, what happens when you do that? What happens when you're praying in the Spirit and you're building yourself up? What's the next thing? Look at verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. How many know that God wants us to walk in love? He wants us to be in love toward all people. He wants us to act in love, to show ourselves in love. How do I keep myself in love? Well, you can study the word and you can apply yourself, but you know one way to keep yourself in love? Pray in the Spirit. And you, beloved, praying in the Holy Spirit, build yourself up, keeping yourself in the love of God. See, that keeps me in a flow with God's love toward things. I'm not praying my ideas, my intents, my prejudices, my resistance, my desires for some people above others. There's no jealousy. There's no bigotry. There's no prejudice that can enter in. I'm going to keep myself in the love of God because I'm praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm receiving His 
words so that I can pray effectively and efficiently for all people. And I'm keeping myself in the love of God. And when I keep myself in the love of God, I'm doing what? Number four, I'm looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I'm looking for the mercy of the Lord. You know, mercy is hard to find because mercy means you recognize that someone has done wrong, but you're going to show them mercy. Good people don't need mercy. Mercy is for those who have broken things, violated, offended. Mercy is what we get from God instead of justice. Instead of justice. Don't cry to God for justice. (laughs) Ask for mercy, right? Mercy is about the things that you've done wrong that God is going to set aside and deal with us in a different way. And so he deals with us out of his love, not out of his judgment or justice. And I want to be looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus. When I'm praying for people, when I'm praying for others, when I'm praying for individuals, I want to look for the mercy of God flowing into the, well, you know, they opened the door for this, so you know they're kind of getting what they deserve. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give in to that. I don't care if they did open the door for it. I opened the door for a lot of junk in my life. Thank God he didn't pour it out on me. I want to look for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to see that. And I can't see it if I'm not keeping myself in the love of God by building myself up on my most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. See how the, how the context of this flows? That all of this flows together so that we can accomplish God's desire. And especially when we're praying for the lost. You know, we can look at the lost and we can say, well, you know, they had the opportunity. Well, so did you. But God didn't quit. Amen. Amen. Top of page four. Oh, man. Top of page four, the result. The result is Jude 22 and 23. And for some people have compassion, making a distinction or making up the difference, as some translations say. On some have compassion, making up the difference. You know what this means? Well, they don't have the faith. You know, if they had the faith to do it right, they should do it right. If they're not doing it right, you know, it's like, I can't pray for you. If you don't have the faith, I can't pray for you. No, I'm going to make up your faith. I'm going to make the difference. Of some people have compassion, making up the difference. You can only go so far with your faith. Let me take it further. Let me help your faith reach the fullness of God. There are so many people that we are asked to pray for, so many situations that we're asked to pray for, in individuals, circumstances, to say, well, I, you know, they don't have the faith to do this. So what? You pray. Can you believe that God will do it? Well, he can if they want. Yes, he can. I've heard preachers say, well, if you don't have faith, you might as well just, you know, go back and sit down. Jesus never said that to anybody. He challenged their faith. And the one man who said, I I, I don't have faith. Help my unbelief. 
And most preachers would say, well, that's it. You know, you're not going to get anything from God. He healed the boy. What do you think I did for that man's unbelief? Uh, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. So we have to, sometimes we have to have compassion and make up the difference. And then the last point. Now I have to quit here. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. I want to tell you, it's not a fun thing that happens. But some people, you have to tell them point blank, what you're doing is going to kill you. What you're doing is destroying your family. What you're doing is not going to produce. You're going to open the door to all kinds of evil in your life. You need to get this right. Let me pray for you. And some people save with what? With fear. I have to tell them that what they're doing is so wrong that it's it's hindering God from working in their life. I could pray for you until the cows come home, whatever that means, you know. I could pray for you forever, but but if you just keep beating your head against the wall, you're going to be hurt until you decide to stop. And some of us have family members, friends, co-workers that we know of that we have prayed, but there's going to be a time when they've got to stop and turn to God. They don't have to make it all right. All they have to do is turn to God. And He will make it right. So, save some with fire. Pulling them out of the fire. Hating the garment defiled by the flesh. Yeah, they're in the midst of it. That doesn't mean I can't pray. But I don't have the words. I don't have the words how to pray for them. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. So just pray and let God put words in your mouth. Pray in the Spirit and let God give you words to pray. Pray in the Spirit. Pray with your understanding. Pray the words that you have and let God work it into his perfect plan. Which brings us to verse 27, which we will cover next week. I know. Three weeks on one verse, Jeff. Well, I could go another week if you want me to, but all right. Okay, so next week, verse 27, which leads to verse 28. And we will we'll get there. Okay, Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for giving us insight into your heart for us. <laughs> it's your heart to answer prayer. So you help us. You've given us your spirit. You help us to have the words. And you respond to those words. And we thank you, Father God, that through this, you can have your will accomplished in this earth. And we praise you and thank you for these things, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.